So, what's the weirdest party you've ever been to? The weirdest party I've ever been to was in East Nashville. <laughs> it was after <laughs> it was after moving back to Tennessee after school. And I don't No no no. I do do know exactly what's going on. It it was one of those things where you reach a certain like young twenties age where you're just like, you know what, I'm gonna go out and almost whatever happens, I'm just gonna be like, Yeah. Sure. Like why not? I'm just in for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. uh I I remember those. <laughs> it it started at a bar and then it ended up being this this person that w- would actually be cast from a horror movie. Like this guy walks up and is like, Hey, we're having a party. <laughs> he's probably like in his forties or fifties, but he's shaved completely smooth, but he has like a blonde ponytail and he's wearing like tight leather clothes like a club person. And I think I know this dude. <laughs> I'm not and kidding. So, he used to no, I'm not I'm not kidding. I think he was like a weird dude. I think he's the weird dude who used to hang around the five spot. No no oh my wait, did he have a yep. did he have a girlfriend who was like blonde and she would wear like cat ears and stuff? Yep, and way younger than him. Yes! You do know what Oh I'm my about. god. Oh my god. So so Shit. So, I had to help Keith kick him out of the fucking bar. So that guy and was with his girlfriend and I was with my friend who's a hairdresser and she does that girl's hair so she so when the dude came up I was like this is weird but then she was like oh no no I know that girl and I was like okay sure like fine so we ended up going down the street to where the Piggly Wiggly is for people not from Tennessee it's like a grocery store chain Um, I know exactly where you're at so we go to the Piggly Wiggly and I guess he owns or like is some renovating or doing whatever there's like this like garage slash living space slash whatever behind the Piggly Wiggly and cars are pulling into the Piggly Wiggly. Oh my Wiggly. God. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I know exactly the dude you're talking about. And walking into it. And I'm like, I guess that's it. So we, we <laughs> I'm with my friend who's my roommate at this point and we, we go and <laughs> you open the door and there's this guy, there's this, this kid DJing from like a like a, a white like fold out table that you would see at like a frat party, but it's not even the full yeah, table, it's yeah. like half of the table. It's like a three by three space. So like a card table. Like a card table, his laptop, and it's just running to these speakers, these giant speakers on each corner of the room. No <laughs> one else there, but they have lights blasting. Like like flashing lights, strobes, lasers <laughs> going. And I'm like at this point, see, this actually does relate to the movie because my roommate at that point was black, and I was like, "Justin, we gotta go, man. Like, this is not for us. We this is we gotta leave right now. <laughs> this is a rave for like right, three white right. people." I was, like, and- I was like, "I was like, this is not for us." And he was like, "Bro, when you came out, you said like that, that you were down for whatever." And he gets into like some wild Avengers. So I was like, "You know what, man? <laughs> Fine." Like, I'll, I'll stay for a little Fuck bit it. and see what's happening. <laughs> but the second I see something, I'm, I'm leaving. So we stay, and then people start showing up. So I got way less weird, okay? So. Right. Now, to be clear, in the beginning of my story, I referenced that guy as her girlfriend, as her boyfriend, partners, because mm-hmm. that's what I found out later. So in, anyway, we keep going, party is full or whatever. That girl started dancing with me. I'm like, oh, this is, like I'm having a great time, blah, 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 whatever. And the weird blonde dude comes up and like 
starts trying to talk to her, but she's like, it's not like he's tapping her on the back trying to talk. He's like trying to step in between us, but <laughs> but instead of it Jesus. being like she's running, she just like it's like she's playing peekaboo with me. Like he'll stand in between our line of what? sight, and she'll just like dance out of his line and just like keep making eye contact with me <laughs> and not actually answer him. <laughs> And she does it like four or five times. So she's just like shimmying around this dude still looking at me. And at this point, I'm not dancing. I'm like standing there because I'm like, this is weird now. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And he's like still there. So I like, I like, I'm like, yo, are you good? Like I tap on the shoulder, like, yo, are, are you good? Or cause, cause I'm thinking like, she just doesn't want to dance with you, man. Like, can you leave? Like, this is weird. And then, so I tap him <laughs> and he like does a head nod and like looks over like like his shoulder and so i'm like i already know like i'm in a place where i don't know so i like look over my shoulder too and there's these like big ass dudes like three or four big ass dudes in the corner and and i'm like what the fuck so i like walk over to them because i don't want them to come over to me so i walk over to them and be like yo is like what's going on here because also at this point it was a lot of white people but the three dudes he nodded at were black so I was like, yo, what's going on? Right. And they were like, yo, man, like, that's his, that's like his girl, girl. Uh, and I was, oh, shit. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, all right, well, yo, I'm going to get my boy and I'm going to leave. And they were like, all right, chief, like, cool. Like, they, like, they were, they recognized what he was going on. Yeah. Cause, cause I was like, I was like, yo, I didn't know that man tell him, like, I'm, I'm out. Like, thank you guys. I'm out. I don't know him from Adam. Yeah, Just like, like, let me right. alone. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going on. She was dancing with me. She never said anything about this dude. I didn't know this man. Thanks, but I'm leaving. And at, and at this point, like, we're, I'm walking out <laughs> to the sunrise. Like, it, this has happened over, we got there yeah. at maybe 1 a.m. At this point, it's like 5 a.m. And I'm just like, what a weird night. So that was probably the weirdest. Because there were other things that were, like, happening around, but it was just things that were, like, I guess this is what white people at race do. That's, like, what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, I guess this is just, like, what they do. Yeah, I would say all my weirdest parties have been in East Nashville or like LES and all my wildest parties have been in like Wedgwood and Harlem. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry, Wedge Wedgehood, not Wedgwood, Wedgehood. Okay, I was like Wedgwood. Like, so Wedgehood, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So for you uh for those of y'all thinking that Nicole sounds real weird this week, uh that's not Nicole. That is one of my dear friends, uh FS Chill himself. You've heard us reference him on the podcast multiple times. He is a uh I'll I'll start with his uh, like smallest credit. Uh he was my drummer for a while. Good times. Good <laughs> my times. My senior year of college, it was great times, yeah. I could always trust you on the trap set. Always. You and uh you and Hailstorm. But yeah, uh Chill and I are both from Nashville, but also now from other cities. I'd say we're both men of two cities, right? Like, oh, for sure. I and, one, and one weird five years in the country. Yeah. A, a very weird, <laughs> but like formative five years. I liked it. I don't, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. Love it. No, no. I regret some parts of it, but not most of it. Right. Um, but yeah, so this week, uh, Nicole's got the Rona. So we, uh, rather I've got a special, very, very special guest that I've wanted to have on forever. Yeah. Dear friend of over a decade, Mr. FS chill. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about get out. Yeah, we are at long last. Great experience. Very funny experience. So 
Yeah. Very excited. So what's what's your history with this movie? Um, so we we had been in L.A. for a little bit. Um, and mm. at that point, we were living, though, up in Silver Lake, which is like, a, it's like being gentrified. Oh, yeah. At this point. But, oh, Silver Lake. Yeah, Silver Lake used to be like little writer neighborhood. And now it's right. like. So it's like actually watch the show. If you watch the show, uh, you're the worst. You'll see like what Silver Lake has become, and it comments so much about like as much as the show is about the characters and how great it is, mm-hmm. and like about depression and shit. It's also subtly just attacking the gentrification of Silver oh, Lake. Silver Lake. So we we lived there at first, but when the movie came out, it was so popular that the best place to like get tickets beforehand was at the Crenshaw Theater. Oh, hell yes. Yes, yes. So, I love that you saw it in Crenshaw. So, <laughs> so what, what, like, it's, it's funny slash, like, what made it better is that one of the first things we know. Oh, so to also explain to the listeners, my partner, uh, she's white. Um, and yeah. so, <laughs> to make the story make more sense. So, one of the first things we did notice moving from Nashville, Tennessee to LA is you're like, man, like, when we're out here, no one looks at us twice. Like, no one that you think is weird. Like, you see plenty of, like, mixed-race couples, partnerships, everything here. Yeah. Not so much in Nashville. God, I do not miss being in a mixed-race couple in Nashville. I did it a couple times, and Jesus, fuck. Right. Like, people will just, like, stare at you. And, it, and it's not always, yeah. like, malicious, but they will stare. Yeah. Um, and even, like, and me being half brown, it was still, like, oh, no, he's white, and that's a brown girl. And I'm like, God damn it. Right. <laughs> right. So so here, that had, that had gone, Right. So, of course, mm-hmm. I booked the tickets not thinking about it. So, when we walked into the Crenshaw Theater just to get out, and, I, like, we got into the theater, and it was all black people. Yeah, because you're in Crenshaw. You're in Kendrick's home. It was, it was so funny for me because they all looked at her, and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. But, no, she, she's a very good sport. Like, we, it was funny because she was like, no, I, I get why this is happening. And I was like, okay, cool, well, you know. but um, so yeah so we saw it in the theater there it was a great time it was a great experience um i love that yeah uh, i saw it it it's great i so i saw it uh right down the block from the empire state building at the 34th street amc like the week it came out i think it was within a couple days of it coming out because i had been waiting 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 for this movie right right and i was with my ex who was very very white you know, blonde hair, blue, like long blonde hair, blue eyes, all that shit, right? Okay. And it, I was not presenting as such. <laughs> and again, it was same experience. Going to the uh, going to the theater, everybody's brown and black, right? Like it's all right. POC. And so we walk into the movie theater, and she's the one getting side. It's same experience. Like she's the one getting side eyed, and everybody's looking at me like, "Yo, what?" Right, exactly. That's you the brought thing. a it's like you it's, brought a white girl like, to this movie. Exactly. It was like it was like the flip of what it normally is in like daily life, where you're going and people are like looking at you. It's like I I walked into Crenshaw and it, like people were just like people did the look and then immediately did like the look back at like does he know what does he do know? you know what does he doing? know what he's getting into? Right. It's like does he know what he's did you do right this now? on purpose? Right. Is this an educational so, thing? Is this like a make a wish? Right. Is this what you wanted to have? Is this what you wanted before you before you left us? Or is it a sorority girl doing charity? Like, right? Like, what's happening? Did she know? Oh, yeah, that would, you know, I just, yeah, that would be a wild way to break up with someone. Like, if you were dating a white person and you took them to see that movie, and you're like, yeah, this is, I gotta get out. Yes, yes, I gotta get out. Uh, all right, let's. I guess let's dive into the meat of this. 
Um, so similar format to what we usually do here, but going to be a little bit different because when Nicole's away, I get to do whatever the fuck I want with the format. <laughs> nice. So what I'm going to do, we're going to start off normal. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you who made the damn thing, who did all of this stuff, and run you through the, uh, the, the basics of it. But then instead of doing like the normal plot analysis, I think we're going to do a little, uh, I'm going to use a $3 word here, exegesis. Ooh. Where we're going to kind of do the plot and the analysis at the same time. Discuss what's relevant. Uh, we'll discuss the plot in order. But bring up the relevant points as we go, right? And then we'll right. end with a little bit of like deeper analysis on those themes, like things we really want to dig into, right? right. Perfect. Sound good? All right, Perfect. let's go. So, Get Out was released in 2017 from at the time untested director of feature length films, uh, Jordan Peele. He wrote this script during the first Obama term. Um, he also directed this, obviously. This was such a breakout success that they were immediately like, is there going to be sequels? He got us to come out two years later. He's got Nope coming out next month. Next month. Or next week. It's very close. Yeah, it's within two weeks of this recording. So I'm, I'm, I, we are, I, I have kept myself so free and clear. Although, Chill, you texted me. the I was going to maybe not even watch the teaser for Nope and just let myself Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I'm so glad I watched it because seeing Kiki do her thing was so it's amazing. It's so good. It's going to be. Dude, I, I cannot like it's going wait. It's going to be so good. I cannot wait. I think I'm. So. What I'm excited about is that well, she already did it in Get Out and in Us and sometimes is that like a lot of times as a black person when you're watching movies like this, you're like, well, that just wouldn't happen. So with a movie <laughs> called Nope, I'm so excited yep. to see all of the clever ways that he gets these people into these situations where exactly. what we feel like as black people, we'd be like, I'd never do that. So yeah, I'm so like, excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. It was growing up with so many black family so many black family members that I was like, I knew when the, from the time he released the title of his movie, I knew what it was. You know what I mean? Right, like I didn't right. know I didn't know the plot. Like I this was a mystery box to me. It was like just like I had no idea what it was going in, other than like black man in trouble. But right. um, no, I definitely grew up watching horror films with a lot of my black family members, and just be like, "Get the fuck out of there! What the fuck you doing?" Right? Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> no, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, oh. we're good. <laughs> it's all right. Boom. But yeah, no, it was like yeah, growing up in the neighborhoods I did in Nashville, in New York, and then like the 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 family I surrounded myself with, and that I was surrounded with uh, by birth. Like, I was just like, yeah, no, that would never happen. Right. Although I do say I got, um, I'm going to a dear friend's bachelor party in September, and he told me it's going to be, um, I won't say explicitly what it is because I don't want to get myself in trouble, but basically it's the whitest <laughs> thing about me. It, it's getting real fucked up in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and it's going to be a bunch of mixed dudes and a couple of uh, uh, dear women friends uh, who were just going to get real fucked up in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York with no way to get in contact with folks. Okay, okay. We set well, ourselves up for a whole thing. You're, 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 you're with multiple mixed dudes. It's, it's, it's fine. If you're going to be like, it was you alone with a bunch of white dudes, I'd be like, I don't know. No, no, no. I'm screwed if that happens. I would sure. never do that. No, you yeah, gotta be, no. You got to be sure. Which is, it's fine. <laughs> it's not fine. I have, I have, let me be very clear. I have very close, trusted white friends. <laughs> who I know I, who I could do that with. I don't want it to, to make it seem like I don't. Cause my, I love that. Like, let me be clear. That's your that's your uh, your Bradley Whitford. 
<laughs> yes, like like uh, let's let's be clear, you know. I, I well, no. I would have voted I, for I, Jimmy Carter for a second term if they'd allowed me. Right. Yeah, I was about to say the other one, but I was like, no, I would have I would never let that come out of my mouth. So yeah. <laughs> I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Right. Yeah. Right. I was like, I was I thought about saying it. And I was like, no, I don't even want that as a sound bite of it. No, no, not happening. Nope. I had to go that far back for a good white president. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was like, no, none of the I, like, I was really in like, my head. Name we don't speak, killed all my family, killed a bunch of family in his right. own person. Like, I was like, like going Epstein, backwards through my head and I was like, killed a bunch of our queer family and ignored all of that. Oh my god. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you gotta go to the seventies. Like, I, I don't have anyone to say. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so where were we? <laughs> Off the rails already. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. Jordan Peele named this movie after yeah. So I said he wrote it during the first Obama term. Um, it had a much darker ending when it was first written. We'll talk about that later. Oh, I'm uh, excited. Yeah, but he wrote it during the first Obama term, and he was like, "No one wants to watch this movie. It's all optimistic, and or like it was such an optimistic period. It's like we got a black president finally. Who fucking cares?" And like Jordan Peele's playing Obama on television all the time, right? On Key and exactly Peele. on Key and Peele. Like, Oh, and having uh, uh, <clears throat> Key be his uh, anger translator, which is one of the best sketches they did. <laughs> um, that in the roll call, <laughs> which yes. I'm sure you remember from growing up in uh, similar yes. neighborhoods that I did in Nashville of like, well, <laughs> exactly. having the sub come in and not know how to pronounce the white kids' names, but knowing Anybody how to knows. pronounce every other ethnicity. <laughs> right, exactly. Wahulu? <laughs> Lakeisha? Sarang? <laughs> <laughs> A Ron, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Jordan Peele was cu- was still working on Key and Peele. Or it had just ended when he was doing this um, a little bit wa- earlier, and then uh, it gets to you know the orange gas bag is president, and it finally starts getting produced. And he's like, okay, I've got to change a bunch of shit about this script. Uh, hence the I would have voted for Obama a third term if they'd let me line right. Uh, but yeah, Jason Bloom picks this up and he's like, I've got to have this guy on. Uh, and we love Jason Bloom here at Horror Babes. He produces a lot of bullshit, For but he sure. produces a lot of great shit. We've covered so many Bloomhouse films. Yeah. So this was a big, it wasn't the breakout role, but it was the let's make it big role for one Daniel Kaluuya, oh, so uh, who good. plays Chris Washington, our protagonist. He's so amazing in this. He'd previously been in one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes, uh, 15 Million Merits. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was about to be in Black Panther when this came out. Or had just... I think it was the same year, wasn't it? I think think they were the same year. Yeah, it was either the same year or just the next year. Because I want to say Black Panther was 2018. Like, early. But it was around the same time. But anyway, yeah. So it was a it, it was a big time for him, and I love him as an actor. He's so good in everything I see him in. He's been great. He's he's great in like you said, merits this. Um, him and Lakeith Which, again, great in Judas and the Black Messiah. Yep. Oh, that's right. Shit. Yeah, that's a really Both good one. Right? Amazing. He, he plays uh, Fred Hampton, right? Right. Yeah. So good. May yeah. Um, we have one of my favorite nepotism babies uh, and of girls' fame, Allison Williams, as Rose Armitage, oh. the, uh, the 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 girlfriends of Wait, who, four who months. Is, who is who her dad? Her dad's Brian Williams, like NBC's really? Brian Williams. Yeah, the one who what? lied about being on a helicopter being shot down in Iraq. Yeah, I had no idea. That's her daddy. 
<laughs> that is wild. See, here's the thing. Yeah. And I know I shouldn't New, have the person Famous who loves news anchor. TV and film. But you know, sometimes someone does like their first role so well or and it sticks with you, so you always see them as that. So like mm-hmm. even going into this movie, as soon as they showed her face, I thought of her as Marnie from Girls, and I was like, oh, she's gonna hurt you, man. Like I didn't even know what the movie like was. She's gonna hurt you, man. She's gonna she's hurt, gonna hurt you, man. <laughs> she's got a face that breaks hearts. Right. Uh, it's so, so funny. Uh, Jordan Peele said he one of the reasons he cast her is he looks like the girl you'd have a crush on at summer camp, and I cannot disagree. That makes sense. I get that. Like she's got that. Um. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, she reminds me of the, the the gal from um, Lake Bell from Wet Hot American Summer. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, I see the that. the sequel, yeah. <clears throat> and I love Lake Bell. She everything she shows up in is amazing. Or like Alexandra Diodario. To like they all have that same like big eyes, right? Like approachable, but like too cool for you, like too casually mm-hmm. cool for you. You know what I mean? Yes. They've got that, I know exactly that what you mean. weird white girl power. <laughs> all right we have the amazing amazing i adore this actress katherine keener as the mom missy armitage oh she was so good and possibly she might be the person i hate most in this movie i she's up there i i see why and also i feel like in some ways especially on the rewatch she was the scariest part to me that's and what we'll I mean. talk about like, it as it's going me. because there are parts where like even the other members of her family were acknowledging what was going on and she always has this like smug comfortable like i've already called the that's police on the you smile word. that's the word it smug was like a, and comfortability it was like a comfortable like i've already called the cops like that's how she was like smiling in the situation yep. and it's like oh my yep. god like it was it was it was there's a there's a very specific i've shot. called the cops i'm getting my chops Right, right. There's a very specific shot that I want to talk about later. But remember that. And that's like, right. yeah, oh, it was perfect. Awesome. Logged. All right. We've got Bradley Whitford, who I referenced earlier, as Dean Armitage, who was hired because of his West Wing uh, work. <laughs> Great. He wanted, Jordan Peele was like, I need that white liberal TM. Right? Like, trademark yes. it, that white liberal he did, he he did it perfectly. Like this, the second oh, he opened the door it. with a my man, I was like, oh, this guy's good. That's my exactly man, right? Like, <laughs> oh, that's it. He he knows. And then we've got a lesser. I think he's a little bit lesser known, but I adore him because of X Men First Class. Caleb Landry mm-hmm. Jones. He played Banshee in X Men First Class, mm-hmm. and he's got that like he belongs on Shameless if he's not on it. I've only seen the first season. That's a very but, good. That's a, I know exactly what you mean when you say that. Like he feels like a Frank kid. He either he belongs does. on Shameless or Always Sunny. Like if he wanted he, to play it small, Shameless. If he wants to play it big, Always Sunny. Exactly. But yeah, he plays uh, uh, Rose's little brother Jeremy, who keeps talking about jujitsu and genetic makeup. It was. It was yes, yes. That also stuck out to me that that, that was another thing to bring up later. But it was just like, it's very interesting how. Yes, all of these people are racist, but each one of them was like a different style. Distinct, yeah. That you all encounter, uh, I guess, in the wild. They're like in life, um, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting how they each played it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, completely agree. We have the stunning Betty Gabriel as Georgina, the uh, the housemaid, I guess. 
Housekeeper. Yeah, they don't. That's the thing. I they they definitely refer to her husband as like the groundskeeper, but they never really refer to her as like a specific job. Yeah, she's kind of like a, a the jack of all trades of the house. She makes dinner. Right. She cleans house. She. I've learned this from Nicole working for very very rich people. There's a thing called a house manager. A house where. Yeah, I learned this in the last couple of years that someone can be like really rich folks will hire someone to manage the whole household. So like they'll do the books. They will also like take care of the kids, but they'll also like hire people to take care of the kids and to clean and to cook and to take care of the grounds and to come do this and that and the other. Right. Oh, I'm broke. I didn't know anything about this. This is how I know. I was, yeah, I had no, no, no. Idea. I learned this in the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> she told me that and I was like, repeat that house manager. Like, I know a house manager from restaurant work. What do you mean? Right. That's the thing. Is like, <laughs> yeah, how do you? That's wild. You got that's two parents the, that's and the four person kids. Who knows all what needs managing? Right. Yeah. That's the, yeah, exactly. That's the person who knows all the little bits and crannies. Like, right. Yeah. That's wild. We've got the amazing, amazing, can't say enough good things about this actor, Lakeith Stanfield, who we have uh, talked about on this podcast before as uh, Andre King. He's got a couple names in the movie because he's, um, was it Andre Henderson or Hayworth? Andre Hayworth. Hayworth. And he's Logan. He's Logan King uh, as his uh, white Sona. (laughs) Oh. Um. God, yeah. Uh, we talked about him not too long ago uh, when we talked about Boots Riley's debut feature, uh, Sorry to Bother You. And oh, we're going to talk so about good. him. Uh, we've got an episode slated for the near future talking about uh, Atlanta with the Teddy Perkins episode. So, Oh, that'll spoilers. be good. That's, spoilers. that's a scary episode, though. It is. It, it's yeah, actually it written, is. It's scary. It is. It's a scary it episode. Is. It terrifies me, but no oh, spoilers just, other than we're going to do that in the near and future. And I just remembered because in my mind, I was like, why was he? And I just remember that he's it's he wants that piano. He, the, yeah, uh, that's yeah a he's episode. trying to buy the piano. Yep, he wants the yep. piano. That's such a good episode. God, God. And it's so that's related to this episode. movie. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, we're going to move past that because I don't want to spoil anything else about my thoughts about it until we actually cover it. That's but it fair. is coming that up. That was y'all. a great episode. So good. Uh, but yeah, um, another one of my favorite actors that I will watch literally anything he's in. Uh, Steven Root as Jim Hudson. True. And finally, and definitely not least, even though he wasn't invited to the Oscars when this movie was nominated for multiple of them. one of the few, like It's one of like six horror movies ever nominated for an Oscar. And our supporting lead one of our sporting leads was not even invited to the Oscars. If you Lil say Lil Rel, what? They didn't invite yep. him? He, it took, come it on. took Jimmy fucking Kimmel to get him invited. And I hate Jimmy Kimmel, but like, bless him for that, that he got Lil Rel to the Oscars. That's Because he was man. hosting that year. So, yeah. Kimmel was I, hosting and they didn't, like, he's on screen more than Lakeith. And yeah. he is such a crucial part of the plot, and he's one of the best parts of the movie. He's one of the best parts. Of he's the, movie. the audience and there surrogate. Are several, there are several times where like it was perfect because, of course, as like the comedic support, what he's saying is coming off as a joke. But there are several times where he yeah. actually does say exactly what's happening, beat for beat, 
and no one cares. Yup. And he's like, yep. this is what's going the, on. We're going to talk about that detective scene. <laughs> so great. Damn. But yeah, he plays Chris's best friend, Rod Williams, TSA. TSA. <laughs> Don't forget the TSA. Basically, <laughs> Rod they Williams, TSA. They get it TSA. done. They get it done. <laughs> I love that now, uh, whenever he goes to security, TSA agents want to take uh, photos with him. That's uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, it's fucking fire. I love it. Um, some fun little cameos in here, though. Uh, you know Key had to make an imp- make an appearance. So Keegan-Michael Key is in this movie. Do Wait. you know where? Whoa. Okay, hold on. Yep. He's in the movie? I'm trying to, like, because the only time they include other people, there's the, like, the, the weird show-off party. But the only other There's person a flash. I saw... It, he's a flash. You would, you can barely see him, but he is there. Okay, so is he in that party? No. No, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, the only other person in the party, there was an Asian man at the party that I saw. Yes, who is not an actor, but is actually Ken Marino's father-in-law. Wow, really? Yeah. That's funny. So Ken, um, Marino, Ken Marino and Jordan Peele, dear friends. Uh, Ken Marino's another fucking comedy powerhouse. If you don't know him, you should watch Party Down and just enjoy everything he does from there. But yeah, so the uh, uh, Hiroki is his father is Kim is played by Kim Marino's father in law because he lives in oh. he lives in Birmingham and they shot this in Mobile. That's funny. Um, is no, he's not one of the detectives that she brings in to hear Laurel. No, that would have been great, but it would have been distracting. Uh, he's only present in a photo. Oh, where? He is one of the transplants. Um, he's the NCAA prospect. So when wow. Chris is going through all of Rose's ex's photos, you see Keegan Michael Key with her. That's funny. That's funny. And the other amazing cameo is the most Sam Raimi thing I've ever fucking heard. Jordan Peele plays the deer they hit. Wait, what? <laughs> he did the he did, he the, did the VFX. Did... He did the VFX for the yeah. Okay. I was I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, he the sound you hear when the when the uh deer dies, that's Jordan Peele. <laughs> Isn't that the most Sam Raimi thing? Yeah, that's good. That's good. It would have been the most was, it would have been the most Tom Green thing if he'd been in a deer suit when he got hit by the car. Exactly. But... <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um so one thing we're going to talk about and I'm definitely going to mention this person again, Michael Abels was our composer here. Uh, this is his first feature film. He's a jazz legend. He's the but best. But he had never done a feature film until this. He is the best. He, but he ended he, up doing, yeah. As a composer, him doing everything that he's doing and the style that he's doing it, getting the recognition that he's doing it with the precision and the mm-hmm. care and the craft that he does it, I cannot say how cool he is to me. He's Amazing. He's so cool. Amazing. He's so cool. He his career is five years old in film, and it's just like, wow, I've seen everything he's done, and also I've loved everything he's right. done. Right. Because he's he's Jordan's go-to now. He's his ride or die. Oh, he's and I would say at, oh, this is what submitted that when he when he did that composition of five on it, I was like, yep, so this good. man knows music. This man knows music. It's so good. Um, our cinematographer. Oh, can't say enough good about this cinematography was none other than Toby Oliver. 
who we again have talked about in this podcast before, you would know him from our uh, Happy Death Day episode. Okay. He's a he's a Jason Bloom guy. Uh, Bloom just keeps him in the in the in the uh, the stable, and he's like, "All right, go make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Get out to pasture, little buddy." <laughs> uh, and then our editor, because again, the editing in this movie is fantastic. Another Bloom guy who just sits in the wings until Jason Bloom says, "All right, it's time for you to come out. Go to the cave." <laughs> is uh, uh, Gregory Plotkin, because he does all the paranormal activities. He did uh, Get Out, he did Happy Death Day, Game Night, mm. which is also Jason Bloom, uh, Come Play and Hellfest, which I believe are also both right. Bloom House. But yeah, he's just the guy that, he's the guy that Jason Bloom trots out when he's like, all right, we got a new director, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have someone like that, though. You really do. You gotta yeah. have, you gotta have your wheelhouse. Exactly. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned earlier, this movie was shot in Mobile, Alabama, um, even though they are living in New York. And New York. yeah, Lakeith is supposed to be a Brooklyn kid from back home. They all grew up together in New York. That's the, the rough story. Uh, this movie put Jordan Peele on the map as the first, I want to say, black director to ever make over $100 million at the box office. Wow, really? Oh, because that, that would have been before, yeah. before Black Panther. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Yep, it would have been it would have been before Ryan Coogler. Yeah, um, it would have been before. Well, and I, I Twelve Years a Slave is the one that I'm wondering about, but I know he's on like a short list, and I think he was the first. Okay, but only the only other person that I would that would even come to mind would be perhaps Ava DuVernay, but I do not know when her. I would stuff. say Ava DuVernay or uh, um, also other cameo. Did you recognize who the detective was? Wait. I okay, so she was. I was sitting there thinking, like, what's her face? The I main, know her face. Yeah, she. It's that's. It's, it's a very. It's it's a very uh, like black TV. She was Maxine in Living Single, which I only knew because I would try no, to sneak and watch it. No, she fucking was. Yes. Was little, oh my yeah. god. And I was yes. too young, but my mom would be like, "Get I out!" Knew- <laughs> and I'd be trying to watch it with her. Um, so there's there's like there's like four years between us. I yeah, I definitely watched Living Single growing up, and I'm sitting there. I remember sitting in the theater, being like, really entertained and like really mostly paying attention to Little Rel, but being like, I know that bitch. Yeah, <laughs> Maxine. She's Maxine in Living Single. Damn, that's exactly right. Oh my god, I shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're I'm blowing so, my mind a little bit. That's well, no, usually it was just, my job. It was my job is usually that I, delay. <laughs> that I saw, and I was like, "See, this is what happens when you get like a black director who like knows how to reference black things." Because I was like, the black people it, in the theater are gonna see her and be like, "I know who that is." Yeah, it was. Um, I remember there was a uh, uh, there's a Moesha reference in Us mm-hmm. that I forgot to call out in our episode. But yeah, there's a Moesha reference in Us, and I was like, "I know that." Right. Exactly. <laughs> There's Moesha and Martin. I was like, yeah, I grew up watching that on cable. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely those like, yeah, I, I love those little inclusions. It's so amazing. I do remember there being a lot of things about it being such a good earner because I know the budget was like four, four or five, 4.5. So this is, so Jordan Peele became the first, uh, the fifth black filmmaker to be nominated for uh, best director for the Oscar. So before him, John Singleton, Boys in the Hood. Okay. Lee Daniels for Precious. Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave. And Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Okay. So 
I mean, dear God, what a, what good company to be in, but also to like, how is Spike Lee not on that list? Um, <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, the last thing I saw before quarantine, one of the last things I saw before, quarantine, uh, before COVID hit and we had to uh, all get locked down was I went to go see Do the Right Thing in theaters because oh, I'd only ever cool. seen it on TV. And uh, I got to go see it at the, the Village East Theater down on 2nd Ave. And that's a very cool like New York New York experience. Exactly, yeah. And I was seeing it with two New York, two other New Yorkers and it was just like one of those things of like, shit, I just... I, we, we were all crying and it's a small theater. Anyway... That's beside the point. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie, and I think it's so amazing. Um, that's that's spoilers for the end of the episode where I'm like, eh, it's, no, it's a perfect movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, against a budget of four point five million, this movie made two and a half million dollars, or sorry, two hundred fifty five point four million dollars to be exact. <laughs> His phone was going crazy. They're like, hey, when's the next yep. one? Like, yeah, I know his phone's going yep. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a hundred and four minute runtime. It was dropped at Sundance in January two thousand seventeen. It came out February of two thousand seventeen in the wide release. Uh yeah, it was a week after my birthday and I went straight there. I was in that theater, as you said you were too, and it's amazing. So why don't we go ahead and finally jump into this plot and discussion? <laughs> I'm in. Forty-five minutes in. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So we open on Lakeith Stanfield in the suburbs. What was your note here? It was perfect. You sent me all these notes last night. Okay, so right away the um, so I'm yeah, gonna go quote ahead, go you. Ahead. I'm gonna quote go you. Right away, the genius of having the Keith be like, you know how they do motherfuckers out here and makes the choice to walk the other way and turn his back. Exactly. So what I thought was so great about that on the second watch is because as a black person walking through that nice of a neighborhood, normally what you would Mm -hmm. be trying to do is I am trying to be seen as much as possible. I don't have my hands in my pockets. I'm walking so people think I'm supposed to be there. And so I was like, how would you then have someone be kidnapped like that. And I was like, no, that's perfect. Have him get followed. And then he understand, oh, wait, if there's a white person in this car following me, this could get weird and something could happen. And if something happens and the cops get called, it's on me now. So now I just mm-hmm. actually have to get away. So let me not look at this person. Let me turn around. Let me look like I'm trying to mind my business as much as possible. And that's how he gets taken. And I was like, oh, that was, ge- that was genius. Yeah. That was genius. Yeah. And we... Yeah, we later find out that that's Logan. Right. Uh, doing that, that he's just like, he's that dick. He grabs or, it. Sorry, Jeremy. I, want, I keep wanting to call him yeah. Logan for some reason, but Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. Um, which I also yeah. thought was a, he a just good... like He grabs him around the neck with that, that lacrosse pole that we see later and just right. throws him in the back of his Camaro. And it's and, let's go. And leaves. Which I thought was a, 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 a clever kind of hint later when he's talking to the guy through the TV. And he's like, you yeah. know, you got pretty lucky that they chose her to get you because apparently her brother's methods are not as like are yeah. not nearly as yeah. Nice. You got you got the sexy one, not the uh, not the beating one, <laughs> right? <laughs> so then we cut and we get Red Bone by Childish Gambino. <sighs> Such a, it was one perfect of the, way to start. That track just fills you with soul. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Like it just puts the soul in you. Exactly. It was it was perfect. So we meet 
Yeah. So we meet Chris Washington. Um, he is black. Uh, he's in his little loft apartment in Brooklyn. And he's packing, but he's being really reticent about it. He's looking through his photos. He's checking his camera, checking his lenses, all of that. And then we meet Allison Williams, uh, Rose. And she is white. That's H-W-I-T-E. <laughs> it, is, it is great. And there's something that I noticed that I wanted to see if you noticed that happened it pretty much immediately as this is happening. So we have Childish Gambino playing and saying, stay woke. He's getting ready. He looks very nervous. It's, it's, doing the, mm-hmm. it's setting the scene, painting around his apartment. But if you look... Right before it does the final apartment pan and shows her face, when it pans and comes back, it's a photo of it's one of his photos is what we assume that he's blown up mm-hmm. on the wall. And it's a small child. But because it's a black and white photo, I can't tell if this is an actual like if this is just a light skinned person or if this is a white person. But it is a little white girl wearing what appears to be a black mask. And it looks really scary. But you don't notice. Yeah. Because every, and then it immediately shows his girlfriend's face. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Oh, it had to be. It had to be. Like, I saw that. I, that was something I noticed, too, when I was watching this uh, this time through. I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. I actually ran it back at that point because I was looking at the same thing. I was like, is that baby in a mask? Yeah. I was like, I think that little white girl is wearing a mask. Yeah, because the baby looks really white. Like Right, right. You can see, you can see my microphone. Like she's like right, that. and it was, and like it caught my attention because I was like, all the other kids in his photos were black. We're like c- c- clearly yeah. black. Yeah. And like yeah, 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 not just clearly black, like dark skin, like he is. Like right. Daniel Daniel Kaluuya is a very dark skinned man. Like right, and exactly. Which, which does matter later in the film. That is, yes. uh, it's a point. Like even yeah, Jordan Peele addresses the colorism here. Right. Anyhow, so he's packing. Yeah, so he's packing up. Um, he's clearly nervous. He does not want to talk about his bullshit. He doesn't want to talk about his own shit. Um, and they have the conversation. Yo, do you, does your family know that I'm black? <sighs> this conversation. Yeah. It is. Uh, so, and it's a real one. Like it's so it's real. Not a- <laughs> it's, it's a very real conversation. I've had that conversation and yeah. it is, it, 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 it Here's what's twofold about it, which I think is always interesting, and which I think they both played really well, is that there is the, like, oh, I kind of understand of, like, oh, that's that's nice that you didn't think it was a reason, that you didn't think it was something that should have been brought up. But that's not the reality. (laughs) So, like, the other side of it is, like, no, 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 you need to tell them. Like, I don't want to show up with them not knowing and it be something bad. And like personal story that a situation of, that I had like that, that was like magnified much, much worse was I was talking to this girl and she was like, no, you should come over and hang out because my parents are like gone. My parents are supposed to be gone. Right. And yeah. And she's like, actually they're going to like get back later, but just like come over and hang out. And then when they get back, we'll like all have dinner. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's that, like, that's, that's fine. I didn't have that conversation yet. This is actually the experience that made me start having to have the conversation. I get there. We, we're like downstairs. Um, and she's like, oh, let's watch a movie. So we go downstairs. The movie's going. Of course, like the lights are off because the movie's on. And right. 
I remember, I'm trying to remember what made me start looking around, like start looking around, looking around. And it might've just been a really bright scene in the movie, but it flashes and I see what I think is a Confederate flag like on the wall behind Jesus the TV. Jesus and, and I go like, hold on one second. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, is there a Confederate flag behind the TV? And she was like, oh yeah, like my dad's really into like Southern stuff. And I was like, hold on. So I get up and turn on the <laughs> lights, bro. There is a Confederate flag behind the TV, a Confederate flag pool table, a Confederate flag Budweiser sign, a Confederate. This is it's essentially like how there's like a dude, like a dude, like a man cave. And with some people, it's like Alabama football or like the, it's all of that stuff. But con- there is a Confederate flag chess set in there, bro. Jesus Christ. Wait, is it blue and gray on the chess set? I got to know. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. That's right. Th- it's like blue and, 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 and so I'm like, and so I'm like, yo, what, what do you think this flag means? And she was like, he's just like really into like Southern stuff, right? And I was like, I'm going to leave. Southern how? I'm Southern gonna, how? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and go. And it actually may be better for you if you don't tell your dad. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go ahead and leave. <laughs> Because I guarantee a, a, he won't a, want me here when he gets I'm here. I'm thinking a crazy rap by Afro Man. Right. I was like, yo, I don't. <laughs> I, but her yeah, daddy, so, well, he was waiting with the two by four. Like, right. So it's like, so it's like after that, that is when I did actually start to have that conversation. It's like, hey, do your parents, yeah, how do they feel about this? Like, wild. Yeah, mine was always, uh, mine was always religious. Like, um. Sorry to my family who listens to this podcast, but like one of the things that my I love my I love my grandmother to death. She was a wonderful person, and she was really wonderful to me and helped raise me. But one thing she didn't like was Catholics. So I remember I was dating. Um, it was a conversation. It was a con- it was the, when I learned I had to have the conversation about religion of like, or at least how you were raised, right? When it came to bringing people over, right? So like, any other religion didn't matter, but Catholics did. To my Ooh. grandmother, right? She's just yeah. like, no, 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 no. So I was dating this woman from um, uh, from MLK, uh, mm. <laughs> and it didn't matter. She was like, "Does your grandma know that I'm Hispanic?" I was like, "Yeah." So is a lot of our family. Who cares? Like, right? You're good. Uh, she might get your ethnicity wrong because she's old and her brain doesn't work right so much, but like, she doesn't care about that. Like, right. and I knew that as the case, right? Like, is like. It was one of those things of like, yeah, like a lot of our family is Hispanic and most of my family speaks Spanish. So it was like not right. that was not ever going to be the issue. It was when she came over and my grandma's like, she's Catholic after she left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, she's Catholic. And I was like, that's the thing you're going to pick out. Right. <laughs> she doesn't even that's practice, man. Like she was confirmed, but whatever, or whatever the whatever Catholics do when they're like thirteen and they wear their their little dresses and shit. But like, yeah, I think that's confirmation. I was like, she doesn't practice. My my grandma goes, we don't date we don't get, we don't date Catholics. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow, that is yeah, that's that not was what I heard like on on that side. Yeah, yeah, I got it from the other side of uh, when I went to my private high school. It was uh, was. Uh, kind of trying to date this person and uh her dad found out that i was of a certain persuasion and she he was like nah no no you're not allowed to date that man anymore (laughs) yeah it happens yeah racism's real uh (laughs) weird um anyhow so speaking of uh 
Rose dismisses Chris completely. She's like, oh no, you're black. What would that ever do? And she literally says, my dad will tell you that he voted for, he would have voted for Obama a third term if he could have. Right. Everybody's chilled. Nobody's racist. We love black people, blah, blah, blah. Yep. They think they're, it's, it's those black people who think they're invited to the, or white people who think they're invited to the cookout and will never come within on right. 300 yards of it. Right. No. <laughs> they're and not like, that racist was... in the potato salad racist, but they are like undercooked chicken racist. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's part of why I thought the writing was so good because I was like, the second she said the Obama thing, I was like, oh, that doesn't make him not racist, though. But there are white people who will think that. Yeah, because like, Jordan Peele specifically talked about like, the whole post-racial thing. Right. And, and like, oh. it was like, and he, he's clearly doing air quotes when he talks about in the commentary. Because, of course, I've watched this movie with commentary twice. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for the commentary. God damn it, I'm going to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So they get up there. Bradley Whitford comes out with the my man. <laughs> Got him. It was... And he's trying to dap him up. He's doing the whole like slap the chest, come around. Like same he... thing I would do with my homies, but it feels so performative. Like Right. It's like he wants you to know extra that you're welcome. And and that's fine. He's the I kind of it. guy who wears a daishiki on Juneteenth. Right. That's the thing, is like I it was that's why I thought he did that so well because I've been in that situation too where you meet like a white father or like a Hispanic father or something like that and they wanted to, they like go the extra mile to be like I don't hate you because you're black and it's like yeah thank you thank you <laughs> but also <laughs> thank you <laughs> but it, but it's like I saw your son just walking here and you didn't hit him with a my man so like <laughs> I've seen yeah. other people coming yeah. here and you hit none of them with a my man <laughs> I and see the cousins, like, I see the best friends, I, right, see, the, like, I see the tios. It's like, this is a family event, and I see you gave all them handshakes, and you just tried to hit me with a dap, and you're, like, expecting me to walk yeah. you through it and show you how to do it. And, like, I don't want to do that. So I remember, I won't say which professor it was on mic, but I had a professor hit me with a assalamu salaikum one time. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, bro, I ain't Muslim. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. All up to my Muslim family, but not nah, I ain't right, right. <laughs> but a professor was trying to be like, "Assalamualaikum." I was like, "Assalamualaikum, salam," but I'm not Muslim, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. I'll tell you off mic which professor it was. That's funny. <laughs> I think you probably that's know funny. already, but <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, so he hits him with the my man. Uh, the mom is immediately just like really aggressive. Yeah. Like, God, Catherine Keener is so good in this, but she's just so aggressive. Like, you feel the aggression immediately. Yeah. But, yeah, we find out that the the dad's a neurosurgeon. um, The mother is a therapist, and they co-developed a uh, really brilliant hypnotherapy thing that helped them stop smoking, that helped Dean stop smoking, and has helped supposedly a lot of other people. Uh, and then we meet the little brother Jeremy, who yeah keeps wanting to talk about wrestling and MMA and jujitsu and genetic genetic background. He is so perfect <laughs> at being unsettling in that you you can see He's in his horrifying. eyes that he is bright, but he looks so tired of like life. That <laughs> like he kid looks is drained. on so much Adderall, <laughs> right? Like he looks drained. 
<laughs> but you can see that his eyes are like going, but he looks drained and it's unsettling. That is like, that is very shameless energy. Yeah, like that's yeah. like what it was about him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you put him on Shameless, if you just threw him in Shameless, he would make sense. But especially yeah. if you put him always sunny as like a drug dealer for one episode. Exactly. Who ends up coming back, you'd be like, yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if someone was like, oh, um, it, it, especially if someone from Always Sunny was like, yeah, uh, my cousin's got to stay over for like a day. He's like, said he just needs a place to crash. And it's like, the, it opens the door to that kid <laughs> doing that. He's like selling drugs. That's exactly what he would be doing. It's just Charlie's cousin and Charlie's trying to calm him down the entire time. Like, bro, bro, that's bro, too stop. much. That's too much. Oh. <laughs> We're here to write a musical, not stab people. <laughs> Again, off mic, we'll write that episode and pitch it to them. Uh, anyway, so we meet. So everybody's making like weird, like aggressively, like focused on his race comments, right? Yes. And, and and the best, again, Catherine Keener's the best of she's like, you're very closed off. And it's this whole like black men don't have feelings thing. Right. Which I think was, was such a good thing to have her say because the, the opposite of that is every single time in this movie, he voices it and says what it is. His girlfriend immediately makes fun of him. And he immediately goes, not nah, yep. fine. And yep. I was like, and, and, and he it, shuts and, down right away. And he like shuts the down. second or third time it happened, I was like, damn, man, that was like a very, it's like, that is like a problem in the black community for real. It's like, you feel like the second you voice your feelings, if it's perceived as sad or scared or anything that's not like traditionally like raw, and you get made fun if of. If it's not a fucking minstrel show. Right. The first thing that you do is, nah, I'm good, bro. Never mind. Like, just, just forget about it. I'll be fine. And it's like, yeah. I thought that was demonstrated, put into metaphor, but then like the perfect 30 seconds of it, of what's happening. Like for, for me personally, I did yep. that a long time in my life and then I had a panic attack and then I like started going to therapy and like really started to communicate better with the people around me and my partner, everything like that. But the thing yeah. that I saw that, that was just like, oh, that was amazing. And I'm sure that's what he was doing and the acting was brilliant was when he's standing down there and he's asking her for the keys if you notice, it doesn't yeah, it end. doesn't yep. go in a in a line like it doesn't progressively gets worse. He does it calmly like five or six times, and then when he like and he finally he, yeah. then he snaps and it doesn't go from can I have the keys? Can I have the keys? Can I? He goes yo keys keys keys, and then all of a sudden he's king and like he he like loses it. And I was like, that Give is what happens. Key. Yeah, right. I was like, that is what happens yep. when you're repeatedly put down like that and you just try and hold it in and you can't do it anymore. And yep. I was like, oh, that was great. Yep. So I'm going to jump back in the plot real quick because we're going to dive into that moment more in a minute. So we also meet the housekeeper, Georgina, and the groundskeeper, Walter. Walter does this weird wave. He's a big dude, looks like like a, a, a defensive lineman sort of thing. Huge guy. And he's huge, right? He's a huge dude. Yeah, that's a big Just guy. big dude. And Georgina's this very slight, very polite, very... Okay, I I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm gonna say something. Hot mammy. <laughs> what is that? Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I wait. Let me Google that term because I don't know. I, 
I understand what you're saying, and I get I get exactly what you mean. I think, and I just want to make sure because she's clearly like it's clearly the mammy stereotype. Yes, no, a black nurse made her nanny in charge of white children. So yep. no, you're you're right. But I'm she's like, fine because that's what I'm thinking. But I no, that's that's exactly right. But she's hot <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Which is important to the plot, but it is very like, important to the plot. Like, I was looking at us like I remember just sitting in the theater being like, "That's hot, Mammy." That makes sense because like I grew up watching like we like we all did like watching uh, the the reruns of Looney Tunes and shit, right? Yeah, they was on they was on the free they was on the free channels. Yeah, not on the cable cable. It's and, and that's so a, that's, and that's a very watched. real also, character. You watched Batman, and you watched like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, and the Mammy was a big part of that. Right. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like like Chill was saying, like. For those of y'all who don't who know don't know, Mammy was like a, a like a blackface or like a, a minstrel show character of a black, typically thick woman. Think like a, a Gone with the Wind, right? Or think like um, Aunt Jemima. Um, that's what Aunt Jemima was. Aunt that's Jemima, like, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's literally that. what Aunt yeah. Jemima was. Yeah, just like the thick black woman who felt who fed your white children with her titties, but also took care of the whole house, right? That's right. what the Mammy was. And Georgina is like this very slim, very modern, very sexy version of that. Right. And that's that's definitely on purpose because we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, we learned that yeah that uh, the dad's a neurosurgeon, the son uh, Jeremy is following in his footsteps. Uh, the mom's a hypnotherapist, and we meet our housekeeper and Walter. The mom, Missy Catherine Keener, is super rude to Georgina because she she trips up and overpours. Uh, the iced tea and spills it everywhere and she's like how about you go take a fucking nap <laughs> right right and rose is all like i can't believe she did that that's so weird and my dad with the, my man and my brother with the jujitsu and chris is like i told you i told you i told and you daniel's so good in that scene of just like his eyes where he like widens him up and he just shrugs his shoulders yeah and he's, he's like, like i knew this I would happen told. like the, the his his whole body posture is so perfect it's it's that was he acts it so well because a lot of times in those situations like that's how it feels is like I don't want to have told you that this is what's going to happen but this is what's yeah. going to happen and it's like it's, it's I, do, I done been telling you like <laughs> I, this is what it is I've been telling you but this is the first time you're seeing it it felt hi here's the thing there's a there's a, a very good uh skit that's uh um that's like that but it was about the Trump election and it was like white yeah. people being like, oh, yeah, I can't the, believe Americans uh, are so racist. And it's just like the black guy sitting there being like, yeah, that's crazy, right? But it's like, yeah, we knew. It was, uh, um, we, we, we're we not on his side for a lot of things, but for this, yes, uh, Chappelle. Right, uh, and it, but wasn't there, was it Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock in the sketch? It was I, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. Right. Yeah, Chris Rock yeah. comes in halfway through. And we still love Chris. Uh, Dave, get your act together. Yeah, he's uh, he wilding. Dave's wilding. Yeah. Trans folks are folks. Shut the right. fuck up. Exactly. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, no, it's exactly that of like, it's that same thing of like, I was sitting there, like I, I went to work the next day. So at the time I was working at this uh, um, women focused, or I'll say uh, uh, women presenting focused clothing store. That's a major corporation that I was working for at the time. And when I went in the next day, I went to work. And most of the women I worked with were white. Mm-hmm. The 30% of which I worked with that were not, and myself were all sitting there. All the white women are crying when Trump got elected, right? 
and I walk in knowing what it's going to be. Deadass, right, deadass. Right. I walked in. That's... I walked in at seven a.m. I had an opening shift. I got drunk during the uh, the election results, praying. Even though I was not a fan of Hillary, and as this anybody who listens to this podcast for more than two seconds knows, I am far far left. But I voted for her because Jesus Christ, not that dude. Right. But I also knew he's going to be that dude. Right. Because I've lived all over the country and I know it's going to be that dude. So I go in the next day and yeah, it was the same thing. All the black and brown women and myself are sitting there going, uh-huh. And all the white men are crying. And I understand that. Like, that's that's a legitimate reaction. That is a, yeah. to what it's the first time they're having to deal with it. And I get that. Yeah. It was their exactly. It was their first time. It's their first with time it. having to deal with it, and it's and, and that's the and that's everybody exactly else the way who had dealt it. with it, right? Yep. And that's what that's and why he played else. it. Is that like she was saying all these things like, I can't believe my dad did that. I can't believe this is just coming out of nowhere. And Chris was like, It's not. It's not coming. It's not coming out of nowhere. It's always been there. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and you just haven't had to see it yet. And well, and she has multiple times, but spoilers. right, she has. She's just another reason she's amazing. <laughs> she's so good at this part. And I've got a specific scene I'm going to shout out later about that. But, all right, so moving on. Um, Chris is like, all right, this is fucked. Uh, but they find out that the party, well, Chris finds out and uh, Rose pretends she finds out that their annual, like, bocce ball and bingo and let's show off our black friends party is the right. next day. Right. <laughs> so we see absolute, oh, sorry, 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 I missed something. So there's a huge scene here that I completely forgot to mention. Chris can't sleep. He wants to go smoke. Rose has already told him, don't smoke around my parents. She also throws his cigarette out the window, which I'm like, he says, you just wasted a dollar. She goes, that was a dollar you chose to spend. And as a smoker, fuck off. (laughs) That's funny. Look, look, here's what it comes down to. I know where to get my less than legal cigarettes in New York. Okay. Many of them are within walking distance of my apartment, even with my crutches. Do not fucking touch my smokes. <laughs> Addiction is a disease. I was recent because as again, as dedicated listeners will know, I was in the hospital for a week with a broken leg and I'm still dealing with it almost two weeks out. But my one respite is going outside. My only way to get outside is right. to go have a cigarette. Like I'm right. stuck inside all the time. Because I can't walk around everywhere. Fuck you, don't fucking touch my smokes. That was the one thing I missed in the hospital. Like, everything else, I was like, coffee, whatever. I'll have, like, a little cup maybe in the day. But, okay, I love coffee, but, like, I'm not, like, I didn't get the headaches or whatever. Alcohol, great, right. fine. Didn't even think about it until someone mentioned it. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I chewed off the inside of my fucking cheeks waiting to get yeah, a smoke. It I'll was bet. the first thing I did. It was the first thing I did when I got back home. <laughs> so fuck she you and you telling me not to smoke like and i when when she grabs it out his mouth and, and throws it out it. the window i was yeah. like i was like oh you best not like do not that it, it, it's a it, and also it's a bodily autonomy thing right like right don't don't touch my shit but it is that like it that's that's what that scene means to me is like it's this whole um He's not allowed to have control of his body and what goes into it. See, I took it a different way. I, t- I took it. I, I could. I took it as especially when, because she throws it out. Then, 
Then, like you said, he goes outside to do it because she was like, don't do it around my parents. The mom makes fun of it. She, the dad's trying to do it. And I took it as, now that we know what's happening, they're trying to preserve his body. Yeah, yeah, you did they text me that. That's right. They're trying to preserve his body because they don't want to be using someone who smokes. Shit, yeah. Because that also, because then once I started looking at, at things through that frame of like, they're they're treating him like cattle essentially, right? So then, yeah, that also yeah, reframed no. is, for me, it's chattel, not even cattle, it's chattel. chattel. So that also reframed for me in that happens right after she throws a cigarette out when they get pulled over, and she like she quote unquote stands up for him, and she's like, no, you don't have yeah. to give your ID, which 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 in that situation would be that's that's nice, like that's white savior, but it's this, good yeah, white savior, right? Right. This person just used their their you know position in society to stand up for me and say I don't have to do that and then it also realized and struck me as but also now that means there's no record of him being there if that cop had taken his ID and scanned it it would have said that the last place he went before he missing was in that neighborhood Mm -hmm. on the way to her home and I think that's yeah it would have been upstate New York someplace like it would have been like Terrytown or some shit yeah right and she didn't want that yep she wants him off the grid right and it's like oh that's sinister it's sinister. That's fucked. It's sinister. Sinister. That's a good word for it. So yeah, Chris goes out to smoke. He comes back in and Missy's all like, that's my fucking kid, man. In this very right. hippie voice. Like, it's such a choice by Catherine Keener in that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of like, that's my fucking kid, man. That line always sticks with me for some reason. I think it's just because it's so hippie in the delivery. Right. That it's like, that's a weird. That's fair. That's weird. It's a weird delivery, but it may, it sticks out because it's weird in a good way. Right. So she involuntarily hypnotizes him, right? He does not consent to this. Yeah. Nope. Not even slightly. Uh, so she should get her license taken away. <laughs> right. Because that first is. Off. I, first off. First of all, take her license. <laughs> Second of all, beat her with a fucking croquet. Oh, wait, that's the other one. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So she starts questioning him hard about what happened when his ma died. Right. And he says he just sat there watching cartoons. This is such a painful. I cry every time I watch this. It was sad. It was so sad. Because you're thinking about like an eight-year-old, right? Like a a, a baby. He doesn't know. He doesn't know better. And we find out later that, yeah, she could have survived if he went. That she had time. back. But Yeah. But you're eight years old. You're just watching your cartoons, waiting for your ma to come home. You look down. You see something that you see a pile of clothes and broken bones. It looks like your ma. Right. You shut down. Exactly. And then. Yeah. And then when you find out later that she had time, that's the exact kind of thing that you wouldn't tell anyone else ever. Exactly. You would never say that. You would just sit with that forever. You would never want to say or talk about that with anyone else. Yeah. No, I would I would never mention that again, even in therapy. And I believe in therapy. I'm all for going to see therapists. I am on medication. I am looking for a therapist. Hit me up. I'll give you my number. Hit us in the Horror Babes DM. Right. <laughs> right. Do Man, you take my insurance? Oh, no. Fidelis Essentials. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. But no, like I was um, I was reminded because so. Uh, I again around the same age. I had a really fucking horrifying uh, uh, accident happen at my house. So my mom was trying to change the shower curtains, and my mother's five fucking two on a good day. You know. Okay. Okay. 
Shout out, Ma. I love you. What's up? I know you listen. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't have a stepladder. So she's on the side of the tub trying to change the shower liner. And the folks who lived in the house before us had a vanity mirror. So my ma, and it was dry as hell. Like no one had showered recently in it, so it was dry. But she slips and falls backwards and puts her entire right arm through every single bone on the vanity mirror. I am nine years old. It is 9 p.m. and I've got class in the morning. This is like a Wednesday night, right? Right. And it's 1999. There are no cell phones in the house. There's a landline. And the only phone number I know, I I know three phone numbers, two of my friends from school and my grandparents, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's solid. That's solid. Yeah. Uh, So I'm like, well, I can't call Jeff or Richie. (laughs) Right. That, That can't help right now. Yeah, Jeffrey and Richie, not going to help. They are also nine years old. <laughs> right. They're, they're at home. They also live one block and two blocks away, so I could probably get them faster just by running to their house. Just by going to their home? Yeah. But my grandparents are like 20 minutes away, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. There's like blood and shit. She's got glass in her arm. She's like, Christopher, go call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right that's funny though so imagine she, but like she's having like something also, like that happen to you and then you look at your nine-year-old and say go get someone and they come back with another nine-year-old <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm with that like instead of a, they come back with another nine-year-old and you're like what the heck? and we've just written a key and peel sketch um <laughs> right they come with another nine-year-old and then they don't know what to do so they, they come back with the, the third nine-year-old <laughs> and then it's just three nine-year-olds in a trench coat being like, we can fix right. this. <laughs> it's just hygiene. That would have been funny. While my mother right. bleeds out. Uh, but yeah, no, like there was blood all over the bathroom and I'm just staring and I remember sitting there and my mom's right. telling me, go get the phone, go get the phone, go get the phone, go get the phone. Right. And she's yelling at me and like she's being aggressive, but like in an appropriate way. <laughs> Of like, yo, there is a lot of glass in my arm and I'm bleeding. Please go get the phone. Please go get the phone. Right, yeah. Which was downstairs because there was no phone upstairs. So I had to go to the kitchen downstairs. So I had to make this whole trek, but I'm just staring at my mom bleeding. And so I completely understood the scene, even though like my mom's alive to this day. May she like may she live forever. Like that's my bestie. Right. We're we're mad close and we were on the phone for two hours twice over the last four days <laughs> as it should be as it should be but yeah so i'm just sitting there watching her bleed and i fully understand the scene it breaks my heart every time because i'm like i did the same thing and if my mom yeah. had died and again mom i'm so glad you're alive and i love you so much um but if she had died i would feel the same type of way i would never tell anybody that you would have to institutionalize right. me and drug me to get me get that out of me. To talk to some, yeah. And I've talked to a lot of therapists about a lot of horrible shit that's happened to me. But goddamn, I can't imagine if my mom had died and I had not gone and grabbed that phone. Right, and 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 you would blame yourself because you froze. I still do. Like I even I, I have guilt because of it because I did freeze, and so I that that's where I'm saying right. I understand. It's like I froze. I'm just sitting there being like. Uh, I was just here to hold light bulbs and hand them to you and you fell and you are hurt and there is blood everywhere. What? Right. 
it's weird it is yeah. it is it's it it makes me I, I i can't remember what it's from but i was watching this thing and it, you know it was it was it was talking about just like influence and things like that and one of the things that the guy said is that you know a lot of times people try and use fear as a motivator like you don't want to do this so i do this and he was like but what you don't understand is when you really scare someone real fear is a paralytic mm-hmm. like when you're really afraid of something you freeze yeah and fighter, the more I thought about fighter that, I was like, fights oh, bullshit that's good. it's frozen yeah I won't yeah. fight. I won't flee. I will just freeze. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, <laughs> so back to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Topher's Therapy Corner with Chill. <laughs> Exegesis. You know, That's, it's flowing. It's all flowing. <laughs> Exegesis right now because I need to excise these demons from my body. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up the next morning being like, no, nah, that's not real. Uh, he's so confused, but this is the first time we see the sunken place. Right. Uh, well, we find out later it's called the sunken place. So he just thinks it was a dream and he's like, blah, blah, blah. But then Walter, our groundskeeper, is like, no, you were in there a long time with Miss Missy. Yep. Doing he his folksy. Real. Doing his folksy black scent, though. It was so. It was. That was something I noticed so hard so this time on this watch. Yeah. Knowing. I've seen this movie like five, six times, but. It was something that stuck out to me on this watch of being like, oh, shit, he's doing the folksy black scent. He's doing the folksy black scent, and he's only using slang that a, that the grandpa would know. And that, yeah. And so it was like, it was like, it was like how he was trying to describe Rose. And he kept using all these like old, outdated terms. And I was like, oh, it's because that's an old man. That's an actual old man. And She's he a real know looker. What the right terms are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, no, and he's, that's an actual old man in there. So that, yeah, it was perfect. Even though he looks 35. Right, he's like and not, eighty something, and not the way. That, and yeah, yeah, he's not. He doesn't look young the way that Sam Jackson looks young. He like he looks young, young. Right, it's a, it's an old man in a young body. Yeah, Sam Jackson will forever be forty two. I don't care that he's in his seventies. What's funny about like, Sam Jackson is Sam Jackson looked forty two when he was twenty two. <laughs> so that's the yeah, other thing that's exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. Like he's always looked like that. <laughs> He's, That's what's funny about him. I'm sure he looked 42 when he was 16. Like, <laughs> probably, probably. That's what I mean. It's like this man looks 35. Like he looks like my age, right? Like, right. Like or thereabouts. Like he is just like a normally 30-something black dude, but he's talking like he's 75. Right. So, but weird. yeah. So he uh, he confirms that that did in fact happen to Chris, and Chris tries to smoke a cigarette, and he's like, "Yes, all right, right." So we get to the party, yeah, and we have this wonderful mass, this wonderful montage of all of the white passive aggression. (laughs) So much of it. We've got ooh, look at his. We've oh the the swinger couple. Yeah, well, old that, man <laughs> in the wheelchair and the younger wife, and that but she still walked up and grabbed his arm. Grabbed his whole ass arm. You, Look at his physique. As someone who has worked out and exercised in West Hollywood gyms, that is not an exaggeration at all. Oh no, I've seen it happen so many times. Like I've got a lot of. It's uh, weird, man. Sorry, uh, chill. I've got a lot of black friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As long as it's not one, that's the thing. as long as it's not one. If someone's like, I have a black, fr-, it's like a problem. No, if you have, have a lot, then I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I don't know. I just, I just don't I let don't it know. be I one. Just... Don't let it be just me. I, it can't be just me, <laughs> baby. It's that's not. the problem. 
You see my Instagram. It's fucking not. <laughs> good. Good. That's the thing. That's that's what that's how it should be for everyone. <laughs> I don't have to prove I have black friends. Just watch my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna cut all of that. <laughs> anyhow 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 Mm. so so no no no. like it's something i watch happen all the time just like so one of the things one of the perks of being a bartender is you just get to watch everybody but one of the things that sucks about being a bartender is Mm -hmm. you just watch everybody (laughs) so people will make like all these comments like there's a regular of mine who i desperately want to kick out but they don't do anything that i can actually kick them out for but they comment on black men's bodies all the time and comment about how they have dated multiple black men and have dated black men for a long time. But they're white oh, that's weird. and German. That's weird. And it's like, bro, that's I need weird. you to stop. But like, we'll so feel weird. my friend's arms or like touch them in like the small of their back. And I'm like, yep, that's that moment. That's that moment. Yeah, that's that's fetishization yep. right there. That's that fetishization. Exactly. exactly. Uh, which uh, presage is something we're going to get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, so we've got the the uh, hot dog eating champion <laughs> with the reddest skin in America <laughs> <laughs> who talks about how much he no- he loves Tiger and his wife is like, he loves Tiger. Let me yeah. see your form. You've been golfing, Chris? We get, uh, is it true about black men's dicks? Which, good God. Yep. Uh, that's that's an hour and a half on its own, just talking about the fetishization of black dick. It, it, that's the thing. He did it He did it so well in like a, what, probably a minute and 30 seconds. Less. He covers it's, so it's many it's different 30, ones. It's 30 seconds for, it's about 20 seconds a shot. So we get a, mon- so it's a proper montage, which is about 15 and 20 seconds a shot. Okay. So we hit... Black bodies is sexual. Black dick as mi- magical. I love black people and I have lots of black friends. And then we get the sports question. What is a what is a when black? Like, yeah, we get sport? sport. We get multiple sports questions, and then we get what's the black experience. And that's when we get Lakeith right. back. Yep. So Logan is like Lakeith, but he's Logan King at this point. He's married to a forty-year-old, forty years his senior. Uh, white woman right. and he's like yes i i haven't got out of the house much these days so i can't comment much on the african african-american experience for myself because i'm too busy and it's very right. old-timey and i remember you you sent me this uh you sent me the text that was that explains his dumbass fedora, which we're gonna get to. But like, he's dressed—he <laughs> is dressed like a Red Dead Redemption Two character. And because I've been sitting on the right. couch all the fucking time and playing Mad Red Dead Two, which is the greatest game <laughs> Great ever game. made. Uh, love game. that game. But I've been playing Mad Red Dead Two, and I would never, ever, ever dress my character <laughs> like it so, It was so bad. It's it so like bad. white farmer. That, but like 1871, was it was the worst. It was, it was. I think this one. It was like so clearly white. It was like the, the outfit was so bad. The things you were saying made no sense. But then what got me was when 
He was like, all right. And he get, and he went for the fist bump and he just grabbed his whole hand. Yeah. <laughs> like he had never seen a fist bump before <laughs> in his life. He just grabbed his whole hand and I was like, oh no, that's that's creepy. Like that would freak me out if, if someone did that to me. I'd be like, no, that guy, there's something off. It's either a that's power move or that me. guy is not right. <laughs> no, no, I remember because like I remember watching that movie and going, Oh fuck, that happened to me. It was because one of my uh one of my older white uncles who is in his nineties now, but would have been in his like late 70s early 80s when this happened i went to go dap him up and he did the exact same thing oh really dead ass like old white dude from alabama uh one of my great uncles (laughs) he grabbed my whole ass hand and shook it because i wasn't thinking i wasn't thinking and i went to dap him up right and but yeah no he's a white he's a white dude from birmingham and he just like was like he looked at it like he was confused and just grabbed it and like moved it like I was <laughs> he moved it like I was a fucking stick shift. <laughs> I felt like a fucking Renault five. Like <laughs> I would pay I would pay to see your facial reaction when that happened. Like I, I just stared at him. I was just real. like, look, look, you can see it. The audience isn't gonna see it, but I was just like Yeah, like what why would you do that? That's so funny. <laughs> I had to tap my own hand to make sure it was real. <laughs> right. It's like, what, why would you? Yeah. What makes you? That's that's what's so funny. It's like, if I hold my hand out like that, just naturally, it seems like you would naturally either like bump it or tap it, not grab the whole thing. Yeah. It's not that's a so stick weird. shift. It's a dab. <laughs> right. It's like, don't grab the whole hand. That's, that's wild. At least grab it by the wrist and like flip me. If you're going to grab it, right. like do something aggressive. Don't do something right. weird. Like, yeah, that's what, it was like that's so weird. Shaking it is so much weirder than like doing like some Brazilian jiu-jitsu to it. Right. I'll stand by exactly. that. That's my hill. That's my hill I die on. Is like <laughs> if you're going to grab my hand when I go to dap you up, like at least flip me. Do something. Like not that. Not, not Don't shake it cuz I'm just shake it though. I'll never feel comfort again. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> So yeah, Logan is weird, uh, and he Chris is like, all right, look, what the fuck is going on? Like that dude's fucking weird, uh, and so he brings him. And he's like, what's the African American experience like for you, Logan? And he says all that shit. But Chris is like, he's already talked to Rod, and he tries to sneak a sneaky pick for him. Right. But oops, the flash, flash is on, which I also thought was a really clever black thing. Of like, I have. <laughs> Because I like taking photos in low light, because I actually care about how photos turn out, I don't keep flash mm-hmm. on on my phone. But you dear God. But dear if God. How look like me or darker, you got to have your flash on. No, you don't, because you know how to use light. <laughs> no. Hey, man, let me tell you what. Kodak was not thinking about me. So. No, Kodak was not. But the iPhone, I can make work for you. So here's the thing, but okay. yeah, no, 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 no. All of my black friends give me shit when I have the flash off and I'm like, look at these low, sit still for three seconds and I will take the best photo of you. Okay. It's just the, it's was, the sitting if, still. If someone answered me with that and like knew, then I'd be like, okay, cool. Cause that's the but thing is usually if a white person taking the picture, they don't have the flash on and you're like, no, 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 yeah, you got to no, 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 turn no. the flash on. This was, that was a, that was a uh, learning curve that uh, I had with. With my partner, she's she's a photographer, so she was like, "No, just trust me." But I was like, "I don't know." But no, they're good. So you're right; like they, they can come out well. But yeah, it's just it's just knowing how light works. But it's funny right. that Chris forgets in this moment because he is a photographer, 
So it's either that he has the flash on because he's taking a photo of a black person or it's a moment of him being stupid. Right. Oh, and I don't like know which that. it is. He's used to having his flash on. Because he's he it, and because all of his friends are black, Rose is the only white all of his friends are black. So he's so he's used to having his flash on. Because Lil Rel is also dark, and we see his other right. friends. We see his photos. It's all dark skinned folks, not light skinned folks. And the That's only funny. lights, yeah, the only lighter that, skin. That and I wouldn't call him light skinned, but I would say would lighter their... skinned is Lakeith. Right. Because Andre Hayworth was somebody they knew from Brooklyn who grew up there and is like a Brooklyn kid. What the fuck is he doing in the suburbs? And what the fuck is he doing in a linen jacket and fedora? (laughs) Right. Why does he look like a farmer from 1894? Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So, he puts the flash on. And uh, so, Andre slash Logan freaks out and yells the title of the movie. Get out! Get out! Get out! Right. So, um, everybody's like... Oh, he had a seizure. He's okay. He comes back in with this very, like, I'm wearing a collared shirt and you can't see it except chill can. But he's, like, right. doing the I'm so sorry, tugging on his collar, fists fully balled around that uh, lapel being, like, I'm so sorry for my actions. Thank you all for being so responsive. Chris, I am sorry that I reacted so poorly to you. Everything is okay. Right. And I do love the contrast between this and Sorry to Bother You of Lakeith's different white voices. True. That's uh, that's a very good one. Because it is like Get Out is Lakeith doing a white person doing an impression of a black person with the whiteness involved. Sorry to Bother You is a white as a black person trying to be a white person to get their life better. Right. And that's so different. It's a different thing. But it's a year apart. One is is him pretending to be a white person, pretending to be black. And then the other one is, like they say in Sorry to Bother You, is like, you're trying to sound how white people think they sound. Yeah. You're trying to sound like what white people want to sound like. The power of it. Yeah. Right. Right. Great acting. Great acting. Yeah. He's amazing. He has some really bad opinions, but goddamn is he a good actor. (laughs) I actually know nothing of his opinions, so I'll keep it that way. Yep, that's fair. That's a good idea. I'll keep it that way. So, Chris is like, look, my cousin's epileptic. This is not a seizure. That's not what seizures look like. And Rose completely gaslights him. Glad again. He, I'm again. so I'm so glad to use that term, though, in the way it's meant to be used. Like, it's actual gaslighting. Not like, she doesn't lie to him. She actually gaslights him. Makes him try Yeah, she to think. actually makes him feel bad for it. Every time he brings like something up. Like the movie up, Gaslight. She, she, yes. Right, she actually makes him feel bad for even bringing it up every yeah. single time. But Rod's like, no, that's our homie Andre Hayworth. He's a Brooklyn dude. The fuck is he doing in Westchester dressed like a farmer from 1894? <laughs> right. So none of that makes sense. Yeah, I... Look, I know a lot of Brooklyn dudes. None of them dress like that. Not, no, no Brooklyn original dresses like that. How about that? Mm-hmm. Some That's dudes fair. who move. Some dudes who moved to Williamsburg in 2003 to follow LCD sound system, even though LCD sound system never leaves Brooklyn. Even to go to other boroughs, they don't leave Brooklyn. Right. They came there being like, "Yeah, I'm an LCD head guy." Like, yeah, and they dress like that, and they drink raw milk. That's that's the dudes in Brooklyn. <laughs> they move from yep. fucking 
They move from from Nebraska to Brooklyn. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. This, this may be a dumb question, and it's, I I'm, I don't. What is raw milk? That seems like a very white thing. What is raw milk? See, I don't like know what it is. I've seen. So I think it's unpasteurized, right? Isn't that illegal? I think so. I mean, I've seen the uh, I've seen the uh, 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 what's it? Shit's Creek episode about it. Right, that's that's what that just made me think about. I was like, is that actually yeah. legal? And that's funny. But all all it is to me is like I've seen Brooklyn Nine Nine and I've seen Shit's Creek, so I assume that it's just nasty tasting milk. You will not catch my lactose intolerant ass drinking it. That's what I was saying. I was like, I don't drink milk, so I don't know what raw milk is. But that sounds worse. We're gonna get to that too. There's there's some milk we're gonna talk about. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, after the seizure, he's like, blah, 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 goes home with his Liza Minnelli looking wife. And Chris is like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Let's leave. He tells Rose, he's like, let's, we got to go. And he finally, finally opens up to her and she says, all right. And she feels so correct and so comforting. She gives him space to talk and... All right, let's go. So they go upstairs. His phone's been unplugged before. He accidentally looks at Georgina in her underwear, admiring herself. All this shit has happened. All these things have happened. He accuses Georgina, accidentally accuses Georgina of unplugging his phone, uses the word snitch, and she goes, snitch? Right. That was another thing that stuck out. She she didn't understand any of the young things that he was saying. She didn't understand any of his lingo. Weird. Almost like she's a grandma. Almost like right. she's a grandma. So they're trying to leave. Rose can't find the keys. Chris can't find the keys. And the whole family is trying to stop them from leaving. And Logan's got his lacrosse stick. <laughs> and I really, really hate. This is this is a pet peeve of mine that uh, a game invented by and perfected by indigenous folks has become associated with, with douchebag white, white boys. Yeah. Because lacrosse is an indigenous game. And I know that's what Jordan Peele was doing when he did this moment. Mm. That it's a white boy stealing from indigenous cultures. Right. But fuck, it makes me so mad. Every time I think about lacrosse, I'm like, lacrosse and crew, I'm like, wow, what white sports? And then I go, no, fuck you, dude. Those are fucking indigenous sports. Those are indigenous <laughs> things, right. Those, those are literally the land that was stolen from them that we live on. Like... <laughs> Exactly. I live in I live in Manhattan, like <laughs> yeah. It yeah, it it bums me out. Anyhow, so Logan knocks him out with the with the lacrosse stick. He wakes up, has a whole chill you video game, uh, Bioshock. Right, that's what this moment is. Yes, it's Bioshock. Feels right? like it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like that, and because Bioshock is a critique of Ayn Rand. And I hope she rots in hell, and I hope I I'm not positioned in the same quarter of hell that she is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I know I'm going, but like I hope that we don't share a cell, you know? It'd be a lot. It'd and if we do, to she's going to have to be in solitary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find my shiv in hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and that's 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 actually that's a really good comparison that is what it is he just wakes up hey we're about to explain to you exactly what's happening yeah it's it's full exposition 
but yeah, they find he finds out that uh, Granddad was working on this formula to put brains in other bodies. Uh, his son, Dean uh, Bradley Whitford, perfects it as a neurosurgeon, and marries the woman who knows how to knock people out with a little. Oh, I wish I had. Hold up. Hold up, hold up. I got this, I got this, I got this. I'm going to do a little... Uh, Give us the sound design. I'm going to do a little foley. I'm going to do a little foley. Pretty good. Love foley work. Give me a job. Exactly. That was a battery in a That's glass. why Georgina froze. <laughs> I, I think that's why Georgina froze. Yeah, I think it was the glass in the glass. It sounded yeah, she, like it. She clinked it like yep. without meaning to. And Georgina yep. froze, and she got mad at her for it. Mm-hmm. She got mad at her for something she did. Right. Classic. So yeah. Um. So so Chris is like, oh fuck, 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 fuck. This is a racist cult. And the whole time, Lil Rel Rod has been like, it's a sex cult. It's a sex cult. Right. They're doing it. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're they're stealing black people to fuck them. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's not wrong. At least Lakeith was that. Lakeith it's not is 100% wrong. He, 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 right. Like he had, he, he was mostly right. <laughs> the only part was, yeah, exactly. He, he wasn't wrong. Nothing he said was wrong. It was just very specific yeah. to Lakeith. But and the rest put, applied to everyone else too. They also put grandma and granddad in sexy bodies so they could cut. True. True. Weird that they made their grand, their parents be the help though. Is that just uh, w- give me a second on that? I I got something to come back to. So with that. it's it's a, it's a weird okay, plot cool. hole to me. So all right, so Chris figures out how to stuff his ears with cotton. He does the Odysseus thing, right? Right. Meanwhile, oh, Stephen, good, comp- good one. See, look, stuff in the wax. I read my I've read my shit. Yeah, I've read my shit. Wow. But meanwhile, Stephen Root's like, no, I'm not like the rest of them. And that's his first line, too. It's his first line and one of his last lines. He goes, ignorance is his first line. And Chris says, Daniel, Kaluuya, Chris says, ho, he goes, all of them. They see you for your skin, and that's that's not it. I care about your eye. I want your eyes, yeah. And so he's saying from Jump Street, I'm one of the good ones. I love you as an artist. I want to right. be you as an artist. And I think you and I both had that moment too of like, I want to be you as an artist. I want to see what you see. Right. I want to hear what you hear. Cause that's something I think we've both been told because like it's, we're not here to be humble, right? Like you and I are both very good musicians. You're a much better one than I am, <laughs> but, <laughs> Thank you. but I'm no fucking slouch. No, no, not at all. And I think you and I look at other people and we go, damn, I want to be you. Oh, for sure. And I, I thought that was a very interesting thing for Jordan Peele to throw in as an artist, just because not only as a musician, but as an artist in general, I feel like there are several artistic spaces, music for sure, where in some instances, a the black person doing it is looked at and coveted. It almost is sort of a um, how... They will pay you to do something, but especially at, at that certain time, uh, who was it? Sammy Davis Jr. couldn't actually yep. eat in the places that he was being referred to. Yep. But they want they want that talent you have. They want what you have, right? In the same way, you know, and it's and it's shit. 
I thought that was an interesting thing for Jordan Peele to put in there because in a lot of spaces as a black artist, if your art is deemed good enough, you are welcome. But if you just walked in there and they didn't know you could do that art thing, they wouldn't treat you the same way at all. Shit, because that reminds me, uh, I just recently saw an interview with Ray Charles talking about Elvis being called the king of rock and roll. And mm-hmm. Ray Charles is clowning Elvis left and right. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's exactly. that like, he, the king of what? Rock and roll? Nah, 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 he ain't. Right. And he's being as polite as he can. But it's just like, look, Elvis took what black folks has been doing for generations, for centuries, and shook his little white boy hips with no ass and said, I'm important. And so they called him the king of rock. Right, basically. And it's the same idea here, right? Like, oh, I just wish I had your eye. Oh, I just wish I had your physique. Oh, I just wish I could be younger and fuck again with the Keith, right? Of like, right. And we see we see decrepit old men in wheelchairs, and I'm not. I'm, I'm recording this from a wheelchair. <laughs> I am not here to be ableist. I'm already half deaf and autistic. Like ableism has been my life. Access to access right. to society is hard. <laughs> yeah, but for them to all be like Stephen Roots is the most sinister. Him and Catherine Keener are the most sinister to me. Yeah. I'd say because so. Stephen Root says, I want your eye. And he's so folksy. He's so lovable. He's just a trustworthy guy. He right. plays Bill Dodrieve on King of the Hill. Like, what do you want? <laughs> right. He just is the softest man. And you think like, yeah, nice boy. Nope. He wants your eyes, literally. Right. So he talks to he talks to Chris and uh, they have a conversation. Well, they have a one sided conversation where Stephen Root tells him how racist he isn't. <laughs> right, right. He just keeps telling him, "I'm not racist. I just literally want your eyes." To which, like, I don't know. It feels like you could have just done a transplant and not done a brain transplant. Right. It that seems like this could have been consensual, like, right? Do a fifty fifty yeah. split. Let Stephen Root live the rest of his life with. Chris's eyes, let him see, repair the nerve damage, and let him be a photographer for 20 more years, and then Chris gets his eyes back. <laughs> the amount of money that would take. Actually, that I would like to see the amount of money that would take versus how much these people are having to pay for this procedure. I mean, he, pays, nice. he pays $15 million for Chris's head. Wait, they body. say that? Oh, you're right. And when they're doing the Yeah, bing- in the bingo okay, scene, yes. yeah. He pays at least $5 million, if not $15 million. Okay. For Chris's body. Yeah, you're right. Which is like, I don't know, like, just take his eyes. Get an ocular surgeon. It doesn't have to be, it's a plot hole. (laughs) It's a plot hole. Yeah, like. It doesn't have to be brains. It just has to be the eyes, my guy. Like, just get a neurosurgeon, which you are, and just fix the eyes up. True. Seems like a thing we've done before. the, the, The only other thing that would make me veer away from that is that when they're having the conversation next to each other and he's like, it's your eye. The images you capture are so melancholic. He could be using eye to refer as in like the artistic. Like he doesn't need his literal it's, eyes. It's a double he entendre. Needs, like, I it's need a your double taste. entendre. Yeah. yeah like, so he need needs the whole taste. brain. He does need the whole brain. Which is also like I also feel like it's a very good commentary on like black culture things being taken for style. Like I need the yep. taste that you guys have. I don't actually like you, but I Shit. need the taste that you guys have. You just unlock something. 
um, so a friend of mine was a was a teacher in Metro Nashville Public Schools for a while, and one mm-hmm. of the things she taught in uh, in her English classes was My Adidas by Run DMC. So Classic. all the black kids on a great song, but all the black kids understood what My Adidas was about because they talk about having no laces. And right. Because they had no, they the reason they had no laces is because they were in prison. Now, Run DMC was not in prison. Daryl, I've met Daryl McDaniel's. Jesus Christ, he's way bigger than you think he is. Dude, oh really? I've met him and I was so scared to talk to him because I've been a fan of his since I was four years old. Right. <laughs> I could, I couldn't, I could barely form words. <laughs> That'd so be a lot. He's like, "Where are you from?" It's like, I go, Harlem. He goes. Yeah, me too. I was I was born in Harlem Hospital, right on uh, one two nine. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. He's like, yeah, I grew up on a uh, 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 right around one hundred and thirty sixth Street on uh, Linux. I was like, uh huh, I know. I've been there. I've been there before. <laughs> That's funny. Hey everyone, Topher here at the end of part one of our two parter on Git out chill and i went in for over three hours talking about this movie and we probably could have done done another 15 or or more this movie deserves it but anyway listen for listen out for part two next week it'll be out same time uh same day but for now let me just do some plugs you can find our amazing friend fs chill composer musician all around badass you can find him on instagram at F-S-C-H-X-L-L. You can also find Chill's music anywhere you listen to music, uh, but I would definitely recommend buying it. It's amazing. It's so great. I've heard all of it from demo to fully produced track. You will not be disappointed. You can find us in the same places as always. We are on Twitter at HorrorBabesPod. We are on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We have a little website, horrorbabespodcast.com. If you love what you're hearing, please do pop over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really helps us uh, as a smaller podcast. And also, always, word of mouth, tell a friend about us. We have gotten so many uh, great listeners that we have no idea who they are just because our friends told somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else. It's amazing, and we love building our little Horror Babes community. In that spirit, you can always DM us on Instagram or Twitter with recommendations, with requests, etc. We love getting them. We love hearing about it. We want to hear what you want to hear, and we want to talk about what you want to talk about. So until next week with part two of Get Out, bye, babes.
¿Sabe? 